Hello, my friends, and welcome to Band Hacks, a podcast designed to discuss the many ins and outs of band directing in the great state of Texas. I am Doug Fullwood, and with me is Jason Webb, and we are coming to you from the Royce City ISD Performing Arts Center in Royce City, Texas, just east of Dallas. Sit back, relax, and enjoy as we get into all things All right, welcome back, everybody, to the next exciting episode of Band Axe. Well, hopefully it'll be exciting. Um, I'm excited. Well, it'll be different, right? Because we're done with marching season now. Oh. And so, I know, it's sad, right? Yeah, it is sad. Yeah. We had a good season, though. Um, yeah, it a lot of A lot of good stuff. Um, I know some of you are in the playoffs, so our condolences for that. Yep. Um, and you know, hopefully that is going the way that you want it to. And, um, the weather cooperates cause I know it's yuck today up here in the Metroplex and not sure what it looks like around the rest of the state, but, um, hopefully, hopefully that will, uh, cooperate for all yeah. of you. So chili's fine. Chili and wet is not so fine. Right. So. Right. And also beans in chili is bad. Well, I meant weather chili. Oh, yes. okay. All right. Chili weather. Now that we, there were, I can't remember who that was that we were, we were talking about chili and beans and beans. That's Brandon. Oh, that's right. It was Brandon. Yeah. yeah. So, so <clears throat> yeah, beans don't belong in chili, by the way. Um, so yeah. So today what we're going to talk about is um, we're going to talk about developing the individual instrumentalist musician in our programs and kind of the importance of considering that from an individual perspective rather than looking at it and going, well, just because the kid's sitting in my class means they're automatically getting better. Right. And so I think one of the things, and I see this, um, I see this a lot with groups as they're preparing to get into whatever material that they're trying to get into. Um, so they do a warm up or, some portion of a daily drill, but as they're going through it, it's really just going through the exercise for the sake of going through the exercise. So that means there's not really an expectation of sound quality of intonation of the way we're articulating of the way we're playing through the note bodies or the way we're releasing things. And so it's more of just, Hey, let's put the horn on our face and let's get our hands moving. And you know, here we go. And then we start to get picky when we get into the music part and we start going, okay, um, you know, we, we need to make sure that those notes are lighter and shorter and, you know, all those types of things. But, but a lot of times, and, and I've seen this in numerous band halls, the attention to detail in the front end of the rehearsal where we start, where we ought to be building some skills, not just getting our faces warm. It's just not there. Right. Right. And so I wanted to kind of address that here at the very beginning and talk about um, kind of the things that, that I found work really well, uh, at least for me and my groups. And Jason, I'm sure you have some things that work really well for you. Um, and, and some of you are probably still experiment, experimenting with some things. You know, I, I, th- I think for me, the, the biggest thing was there were certain things that I wanted to do every single day with my ensemble. Okay. Um, sometimes I would do those things in a different way at a different speed. Um, maybe I would adjust an articulation. 
maybe I would, you know, add slurs one day that I wasn't necessarily necessarily doing another day, just kind of depending on what we're doing. But overall, the vast majority of what we were doing was going to be the same. Now, of course, the challenge that comes in with that is, um, and you mentioned it while we were we were chatting before we started recording, the, the challenge becomes if we're going to do the same stuff day in and day out, how can we make sure that our students are engaged and plugged in to what's going on? Right. Right. So there's my first question. How do we do that? If we're, if we're playing the same stuff over and over again, which is not necessarily a bad thing, provided you have goals and objectives to achieve while you're doing that. Right. How do we keep the kids plugged in? I think a lot of it is, is like what you've said is the, is the director, the director keeping the kids on their toes about certain aspects of the rehearsal that keep them from just going through the motions all yeah. the time. Yeah. So I think, um, I think too, a lot of times the podium is the very worst place to be while you're going through this part of your rehearsal time period. Yeah. Now this episode is going to be, um, it's going to kind of whittle down to the individual, but what we're really talking about right now is, you know, to what degree can we encourage um, improvement individually while the kids are in front of us? Because they're not always in front of us. In fact, when they practice on their own, they are usually not in front of us. And so what are the things that we can do to make sure that they're staying engaged so that when they go away from us and we want them to do those same exercises, right, they are able to... um, be diligent and um, have discernment over whether they're executing those in a way that the band director would like, or if it's just not really landing and, you know, they need to, to make some adjustments to make it come out the way that it needs to, if that makes sense. Sure. Um, so, so I think, you know, for me, it was always, Yes, we're going to do the same things, but we're going to adjust tempos. Okay. We may play a corral and a march style. We may play a, a march and a corral style. We may do a just a myriad of different things to change things up so that, and we talked a little bit about this um, in our, you know, monotonous episode that we did last year. But, but there, we want things so that every time the kids put the horns on the face, they, they're not just going through the motions. It's the same energy, intensity, intellectual focus every single time they put the horn up to their face or they decide they're going to play their drum or they're going to play their keyboard or whatever. And so I think the director, like you said, plays a really big part in that because, you know, walk around the room. Don't just click the metronome on and then stand there and, you know, nod approvingly, if that makes sense. Um, I think it's especially with the younger kids, the younger kids really need to see you moving around the room and really need to make sure we really need to make sure, you know, not only that they're playing correctly, but, but also that they're sitting correctly. I mean, are they sitting the way you want them to, um, hand positions, as we know, if we don't stay on top of that, at the very early age, they have a a tendency to transition into things that we don't want to see, you know? And, and so those are, while, while it's probably not the most exciting thing to work on, it really is fundamentally, it's the, the basics of what we need to make sure we've got going on in our class. And so when we're doing warm up, we're doing daily drill, I reflective question, right? What, what are we doing 
Why are we doing it? Can we actually define a reason for the exercises that we are playing? Do we, do we have an end goal or are we just making the assumption that what we're doing is going to build chops and that'll get it done? You know? Yeah. And I think that uh, the next step on that is after you can answer that question with the right answer is do your kids know the answer? I, I think you're right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think um, I, I know for me when I was a student, the one thing I hated playing was scales. Now, part of that was because I wasn't very good. Like we've talked about that <laughs> at great length. OK, so I struggled because of the way my embouchure was set up uh, or not set up. I, range was a huge issue for me. And so naturally scales were not something I really wanted to do because why? Well, they were difficult, right? They were difficult and I, I struggled to be successful. Um, that doesn't mean that I didn't need to play them, but, but I did not want to, right? Sure. I did not want to, and I did not see the reason I did not understand or grasp why that was important. Because back when I was in school, you know, especially middle school, it was like, well, the director said we did. There wasn't this uh, approach to learning where the director coaches students can have intellectual um, processes as well. And we discover things as we move along. Right. Sure. Not not a you do this because I said type of thing. Right. Yeah. yeah. So go ahead. Well, right right now, um, you know, I passed out a a different scale sheet to my my top group this year. Uh, that you're talking you're talking high school, right? High school, yeah, yes. Yeah. And and it has all the note names on it. It's what I use to teach my son the scales for a region. And your son, um, your son's in middle school. Yes, right? seventh grade trumpet player. Trumpet player. Yep. He's I'm sure he's first chair just like his dad. Mm, I don't know that he's first chair right now. Oh, they just had really? a chair test. I haven't checked it out. And yet. you haven't disowned him yet? No, I have not. Okay, Wait, <laughs> waiting on the results for that. <laughs> waiting on the results. Um, but uh, anyways, after spending a day, you know, talking about, uh, you know, how we're going to play through these scales and concert pitch, because even high school kids need reminders on how to figure out concert pitch and, you know, the super smart ones that already know how to do everything, you know, they can figure out how to do it for the French horn or for the alto and, and right. all of that. Right. And but, it's like uh, a game to see if they can do it yeah. faster than you can. Right. Yeah, right. And so... You know, we, we spent the first couple of days playing through some scales and then eventually worked it up to, like, we're going to play all 12 majors. Then the next day we come back and I said, all right, we're going to play all 12 majors, circle of fifths, and we're going to do circle of fourths, and we're going to do chromatic. Um, and then we're going to, or, or chromatic through the major scales. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then we did all the natural minors, which is on the same thing. We did that for the circle of fourths, circle of fifths. I bet that sounded and, amazing. Yeah, no, not not so much. <laughs> but then as we, you know, got comfortable doing it, you know, you the director needs to have something like new in their pocket, I think every now and then. So I said, you know, get up your scales. All right. Today we're going to do circle of fifths. Mm -hmm. Uh, let me hear you play concert B flat. Mm -hmm. All right. Let me hear you play concert F. Mm -hmm. Let me hear you play concert C. And so you're, you can see it on their faces. The okay. shock and awe. That they're just, oh my <laughs> no. gosh. I have a, please don't call on me on this yes. one scale. Yes, yes. And so throwing something new out there every day, even though it is part of your daily routine or your daily drill, whether it's scales um, or just listening to a section play 1A or, yeah, right. or you know, what whatever you're doing, um, throw a variation in there. You know, even high school kids, um, and I've told our, our assistant directors this as well, um, as silly as some games can be, um, high school kids love games. Yeah. And so, no, they do. You know, if we're playing technique exercises in every key and, you know, one day they're just like, oh, we're just going to go through this. You know, we'll mm. miss a couple of notes here and there. They're sight reading whatever key. And um, and then we'll play a game. 
and yeah. it'll be you know mess up stand up or something like that, which yeah. which has easy rules. You know, you right. mess up, you stand up, right, and you stop playing. Yeah, um, but. And and even seniors in high school will will get into that. Oh yeah, as, absolutely. As lame as that is, they'll be like, "Oh, okay, it's a game time." Yep, they'll be asking to do it again. So yeah, my favorite was always, "Okay, we're gonna we're gonna play concert F and see who can hold." Yep. Um, you know the note the longest. We do that too, which was always fun because you get flutes versus tubas in an epic battle. Uh, <laughs> I usually do that around. Um, Spring break, like March Madness, and I do a big bracket on the board and stuff, and it's, yeah, it's a nice, good time. Nice. Okay. Well, so, you know, I think the step one here is is what are you doing as a director as you begin your class or the time that you have uh, the kids in front of you, right? And can you can you really say, I'm doing these things for the purpose of building this skill set, this, you know, technique, this whatever, or am I just doing that because it's what I've always done? It's because what we used to do when I was in high school or college or, you know, because a lot of that stuff is the same. I mean, I know yeah. when, I, when I was in school, it was like, okay, we're going to start every rehearsal playing the B-flat major scale. Okay. I, I don't like starting rehearsal with a B-flat major scale. I'm not saying we can't play it, but but I don't think that's a great place to start personally, especially as a brass player. I, I just don't like it. So, so there's that piece of it. Okay, so let's just assume for argument's sake – that we're rock stars at the front part of our class. Like we really know what we're doing. We're taking not too much time to get you the daily drill stuff done. Okay. Um, we are building technique. We are ensuring that those things are getting better each time we play them each day that we hear them, et cetera, et cetera. Right. Cause there are a couple of schools of thought out there. Um, one of the schools of thought is, well, we need to do daily drill for the vast majority of the rehearsal and spend the last 15 or 20 minutes looking at music because the thought process is, well, if we built skills, then the music should be cake, right? Yeah. And so, and I'm not necessarily saying that's right or wrong. Um, for me, I always liked to change things up quickly in rehearsal. I didn't like to get bogged down on something, um, especially in our situation, we're not on block schedules. So we don't just have 90 minutes to, you know, do tons of stuff. I mean, right. we were 50 minute classes. So, um, and, and with middle school is even shorter classes. Yep. So, and then you can take attention span and all that stuff into consideration. But so we've done all that stuff and now we're beginning to get into the music. So we're, we're looking at rehearsal and, and we're having to stop for the reasons of students are not able to play their parts. Okay. And we're having to legitimately make them practice in front of us and have them walk through the part to be able to get the music to a place where they can actually play, you know, from one moment to the next. That obviously is a problem, right? Yeah. So that leads me to my next thing, which is how and when are your students practicing? Um, just like every other school, <laughs> we do spend some time in rehearsal practicing. Okay. Not not like individual practice or anything, but um, I like to, again, having something new okay. in your pocket with regards to how to approach a certain issue in your playing. Um, so the other day we were having a trouble, uh, a trouble spot in the flutes and clarinets with some 16th note. Mm -hmm. stuff some runs um and we started with one note 
we add the next note. We right. add the next note. And then, you know, I don't work on the entire piece of music. Right. It might just be one or two measures that we do that, or even one or two beats. Right. Depending but, on how hard it is. And I teach them how to practice that way. And then but but you also say, Okay, kids, when you're on your own, here is a technique you can use here to break is, this down. Yes, here is a technique. And then the next time that we have a section like that, it may be the same section. I may do it a different way where we slow it every slow everything down, sure. play, you know, a beat at a time and Absolutely. add everything together. Um and here's another technique on how you practice, um, you know, and then I, I'm sarcastic with them and I say, like, you? you know, no, no, no. Um, I'll say something like, you know, this is a way to practice, you know, and you can get better at it this way. Right. As if they were a um, sixth grader and they're looking right. at you like, yeah, we know. Right. Or you can choose option B, which is not practicing and you don't get better and then you don't have fun and I get angrier. Right. You know, and my face turns red and yeah. yeah. The yeah. more, the more that we get into the music and the more instances of the same sections having the same problems, um, you know, the more frustrating it gets for those kids, but also for oh, yeah. the rest of the band. Totally. Um, and those kids know that, you know, and no, they if do. it is, if it is not possible for those kids to go and practice and learn their part, um, without you after you give them the skills to learn it on their own mm -hmm. then you know you pick too hard a music for your band yeah well assuming that the kid is actually practicing correct well i right? mean that's what i mean yeah 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 so if, if they're actually using the tools that you're giving them then in theory they should be able to get over those humps on their own yeah but um, there has to be there has to be an expectation that the students practice outside of rehearsal Otherwise, you know, the kids that can already play their part, they're bored out of their mind. Okay, now now let me ask you this. In in every ensemble, right, we have varying levels of competency. Yes. So you you know, depending on your situation, you may have kids that are just rock stars. And in that same room, you may have kids that are four or five levels below the rock stars. And that that becomes really challenging in that you want to challenge the kid that's that's you know really getting it done, but then you want to get the other kid to get off of their tuchus and and get to work, yeah. so that those levels and stuff can you know continue to improve. Because m most of the time, most of the time, what's happening there is the student is not practicing at all. The only time they're getting their horn out of the case is when they are in front of you in the class, and you've got multiple other kids. You know, and that that gets especially tricky if you're dealing with like a sixth grade situation where you have beginners and they're all in the same class, yeah. you know, because that does still happen. You know, right. that does still happen. And you have to figure out how to navigate that and be able to hear the kids and yeah. teach them how to practice and have that expectation. And you're not looking for every kid to be amazing. Like after a session of practice, right? you're just looking for every kid to make improvement. Right. We're looking for growth essentially, yeah. right? As musicians, we know that we don't, we don't ever really arrive. You know, we learn stuff. Well, I mean, Jason, I know you have arrived as, you know, trumpet master yes. in the universe, but band uh, director the, master. okay. Uh, the, <laughs> the biggest thing that we have to remember is, you know, the playing an instrument is very much a journey from one moment to the next. And, you know, there are, it's, I don't know. I don't know if I would say it's like weightlifting. It is a little bit, but really what it is is it's like, okay, here's all these challenging tasks I have set out in front of me that I need to overcome one of them before I can overcome the next one. 
I can't jump over things. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so it, it is very hard sometimes for kids to see any level of light at the end of the tunnel because the tunnel just continues. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so I, I think too, um, where we have to really be, um, intentional in our communication with our students and also their parents, because like if they're going home to practice and dad's like, get out in the garage. I mean, that's, it's 40 degrees outside and you know, that's, yeah. that's not the best situation. 400 degrees or that. Yeah. Depending <laughs> on, on which summer uh, you were in. And so, especially in Texas, but, but the thing about, um, you know, all of this is the students need to understand the better they can play, the more interesting, the more cool, the more amazing types of music that they will be able to perform. Yes. And, and grow. And that also opens up other opportunities in other groups, whether it be region band or, um, you know, uh, Allstate or, you know, intergalactic universe band, you know, yeah. those types of things. But the hard part is, at least it was, this, this is the way it was for me. I didn't see the value in practicing because I knew, like I tried, um, I didn't see the value in practicing until I got to college and somebody attempted to fix my embouchure. And then I was like, oh, okay. And then you you have some breakthroughs, you make some headway, and then you decide, oh, okay, this is really how I can get better. And, and I think a lot of kids, what happens is they practice, and they practice for the sake of practicing and getting the time in. They don't necessarily practice with an effort or with a thought process of, I want to get better. So I'm going to work on this until I get better, you know, and, yeah. and I know you've had kids do this too, where it's like they're in the band hall and they're practicing and they're playing all the stuff that they can already play. Yes. And then you're like, Hey, what about that transition? What about, could, could you play that? Um, I'll, I'll do that in a minute. And they go right back to playing whatever that main theme is or whatever. And, and, you know, I think that's important for the director to, to acknowledge to the kids and go, Hey, look, I get it. Like it's not necessarily the most fun to work on things that make you feel like you're not a great player. Okay. But, but what you have to understand is not working on them isn't going to get them done. Right. So what's your option there? You got to move forward, you know? Yep. So start work on it, practice, give yourself a couple of days, spend some time on it, come in and get some help. Right. Yep. Um, well, and then, you know, we, we all have kids that want to come in and play for us and, and say like, Oh, Hey, can I play my region music for you? Yeah. Oh, sure. I'll come in. And if I only have five minutes to listen to three region pieces, right. And most of the kids, especially in my applied music class, they figured this out. But, um, you know, I, I'm going to ask for them to play a certain piece yes, or a certain part of a piece. Yeah. So it's probably going to be, it's one probably going to be the one that spots. I haven't heard them play like a thousand times yes. through the wall, you know, yeah. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I mean, give them a give them a reason to go and work on that part now. Right. Um, listen to them and and help them improve. Yes, but you know, help them realize that hey, you haven't worked on this part. Yeah, I, I think too. You know, and, and this can be challenging depending on whatever your position is and whatever program you're in. But you need to hear the kids individually. Mm. Yes. You, you need to hear them individually and they need to have examples of what is a great fundamental sound on their instrument what are they aspiring to try to 
imitate or mimic, you know, and we, we get, you know, for brass players, it's, it's pretty common to have kids play with fuzzy tone qualities. Right. And so we're looking for examples of really clear tone quality where it's just like pristine fundamental sound. And we play those things for the kids and we, we point out, you know, professional artists that go listen to these guys. Here's this recording of them playing, you know, bluebells of Scotland, whatever it is and, and have them work to, mimic those sounds and and try to match and and you know make make that mature contribution to the ensemble because that's really what you're talking about is for every immature fuzzy sound that's happening in your your ensemble that is um it's, it's like throwing ingredients in a blender right i mean you, you you push blend right you put ice cream you put milk if somebody throws some dirt in there the dirt's going to blend right up and think about what that's going to taste like you know, um, dirty milkshake, I guess. <laughs> but, 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 you know, getting the kids to understand that because a lot of it is, is, is it's a me thing. It's like, okay, yes, I know I'm not good, but it's different than, than like, I'm not good at math. I'm not good at math impacts me. doesn't really impact anyone else other than maybe my parents with regard to needing to get me a tutor or something of that nature. If my sound, if my contribution to the ensemble is not where it needs to be. I'm causing problems for other people too. Sure. Whether I intend to or not. Right. Like yeah. I, I, I'm not, I'm not necessarily doing it on purpose, but if I'm choosing not to practice and I'm bringing my, my yuck into the ensemble, then like the, the choice, what is the director going to do there? Oh, okay. Cut that part out. Don't play that. Yeah. You know? And, and, and unfortunately at times there, there are, there are moments where, kids decide for whatever reason i'm just not going to do that you know and you go okay well then you're not going to play which also causes all kinds of other issues in terms of the student's experience in the class you're frustrated they're frustrated they don't like being called out they don't see their role in the situation but you do and you just want to go how do you not see what you were doing here you know and, and for me I always, I, I don't care if the kid has the worst sound on the planet, as long as they're trying, as long as they're endeavoring to get better, man, let's do it. Let's go. I'm yeah. going to encourage you. Let's, let's get it done. Um, I think a lot of, a lot of getting the practice culture or the kids to practice. Yes. They need to know how to practice and it's not good enough to just tell them that once. And, and I know that, you know, a lot of, a lot of the school districts that that um, the directors that listen to this, you know, we have private lesson programs. Um, well, but then there's do. a lot that don't. Some don't, yeah. And even the ones that do, I I would feel like a reminder of a practice routine or a practice template of like how much time do I need to spend on this and how much time do I need to spend on this? what is the best right. way to work on this? You know what I've jokingly my parent my my students know that I'm very humble about my own playing and performance. <laughs> I'll take but, things um, that are false for 500 Alex. When we, yeah. When we talk about um, practice routine and the efficiency of practicing. Yes. Um, you know, I will jokingly tell the kids that I'm better at practicing than you. Right. And, but and that, that actually, is, that is actually a true statement in most right, cases. Right. Yeah. Well, so is I'm better at trumpet too, but, um, <laughs> but you know, we don't look at practicing all the time as a skill. 
of something that you can get better at. Not just I'm right. getting better at trumpet, but I'm getting better at practicing yes. my trumpet. Yes, that's um, a good point. And being efficient with it because. So you know, what do you mean? What do you mean by being efficient with it? I, I want to. I want to explore that a little bit. Sure. Um, and and I know this this comes off a little bit silly or whatever at, at points, but I think you mean uh, egotistical. But. No, no, this is a silly kind of like um, way to practice oh, okay, a, an all okay. region piece, right? Gotcha, so, okay. you know, um, a kid that has been playing the all region music for months, but they're kind of just like meh on it; mm-hmm. it doesn't really sound great. You know, we go through and we say, "All right, you got stuff on this measure, stuff in this measure, stuff in this measure." I'll look at the whole piece and I'll say, well, you got, I mean, there's 14 measures in this piece. Yeah. That's an odd number and of then, measures. Well, it's like a cut. Or oh, like a freshman okay. cut okay. or whatever, right? right? Cool, cool. And so I'm like, you got 14 measures in this cut mm-hmm. that you have to practice, you have to be good at. If I sat here and I practiced this one measure for a minute, and I'll do it, I'll take my trumpet and I will practice that measure for a minute. And I'll frack some notes in the first like you? couple of seconds on purpose. Oh, you mean you mean yeah. to show okay to okay. show improvement or whatever, right? <laughs> and I'm like, this measure's pretty pretty easy, but yeah. you know, and then I'll play through it and I'll say, that seems like a really long time to practice that one measure. But if I practiced and focused on just those, you know, three or four notes, six mm-hmm. notes, whatever it is, right? And I play it for a full minute, right? And I do that with every measure. Yep. I've spent how much time practicing? And the kid goes, 14 minutes. Mm. And I go, that doesn't seem like a really long time, does it? But now I'm making improvement yeah, and in small increments. And, and now this one measure sounds amazing. Whereas before, I listened to your 14 measures, and there were 28 problems. Right. Because because a lot of times what they're doing is they're starting at the beginning, and they're playing oh, through, yes. and just... And they go, oh, that wasn't very good. Yep. And you go, yeah, you're right. It wasn't. Let's break that down and 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 that's so back to the efficiency thing i think it's important for students to understand that this is not going to happen quickly it doesn't need to happen quickly it can like you know if you're setting the timer and going and get my 15 minutes in okay i mean that's an approach to take the problem is um, most students like if you or i were going to do that like we would go okay Here's the things I want to get resolved within this period of time. This is mm-hmm. a time frame in my schedule. College students see that too. I've got this time to practice. So I need to go in here. We're not talking about I'm going to practice to mark this down on a sheet so I can turn it in and get a grade for it, right? Right. And so we we do that in an effort to make sure that students are being held accountable. But a lot of times what ends up happening is they write the stuff down. Mom and dad don't care. They sign it. They send it in. And you know good and well that kid hadn't practiced. Yeah. Um, but in terms of I'm sitting down to practice for the purpose of getting better. Yeah. That piece, um, I know that one was lost on me when I was young. Sure. And, and so from a patient standpoint, from a understanding what are the step-by-step things, what are the techniques that I need to use to break this down so that I can methodically move through here and get used to it. And that's the first thing kids want to do is they want to play something up to tempo. Yeah. And it's the last thing they need to do. Yeah. You know? And I, and I think that just arming your kids with, you know, we, we always talk about um, strategies as teachers and as rehearsal technicians and clinicians and all of that. Sure. But, um, you know, arming your students with practice strategies as well. Um, I, I remember this vividly. I think I was maybe a sophomore or junior in college. There was something mm-hmm. that I was practicing for my lesson that I spent 
I mean, probably four hours a day of mm-hmm. practicing mm-hmm. Uh, for the entire week, and I just could not play this thing. The yeah. finger combination was just tearing my my hand mm-hmm. apart. Yeah, and I go into my lesson and I said. I guess I'll play this for you. I can't play this. And I started mm-hmm. playing it and I just, you know, fumbled all through it. And then, um, my trumpet instructor, Dr. Buckner, he gave me, um, an alternate rhythm technique mm-hmm. to, to work through it. And I said, I'll do this. But I was like, it ain't going to mm-hmm. work. I've been practicing this like forever. Yeah. And I was such a critic and I did it right there in front of him. <laughs> and then he goes, all right, now play it. And I played it perfect. Yeah. yeah. And it was like, that was magic. Yeah. To me. And the, and the, well, okay. Understand. And that's, and that's a fair point too. Sometimes there are roadblocks that we are placing in our own way and we don't even realize it. Yeah. And, and it's, it's things like that where, you know, we, for example, well, let's say our ensemble's having vertical alignment issues. Uh, we're just not attacking together. We're not moving together. Okay. Slow it down and bop it. Let's get everybody subdividing. Let's get everybody doing it. Okay, now let's try this. And okay, kids, by the way, on your slow region AT, this is something you can do too. In those moments where we're not trying to stretch or, you know, push things. Yeah. Um, but, but it's getting them to make those connections and then getting them to intentionally employ those techniques while they're practicing for the purpose of getting better. Right. Not just for the purpose of saying, I pulled my horn out for 15 minutes. Yep. That to me is, is the biggest thing that directors, you know, I, I've seen them do it where you just need to practice. Okay. What, what do I need to practice? Like, I know I can't play that. You want me to practice that part so I can play that part? Or do you want me to build skills so that I have what I need to work through parts regardless of where the range is, where the rhythmic, um, you know, considerations are, to me, the skill set is a better approach than play that part, play that part, play that part. And you know how this goes. There's a lot of guys out there and gals, for whatever reason, it's warm up, hit the music, warm up, hit the music, yeah. warm up, hit the music. And not to say that there are not things to be learned from ensemble playing. However, there's some fundamental parts of those ensemble uh, rehearsals that are not going well because we're focusing on the wrong things um, or we're giving instructions and there's no reasonable path for the student to achieve that level of, of music because they just, they can't do it and they're not going to practice it and they don't have any techniques to use in practice. Yeah. And, and I think that's where a lot of times as directors, we kind of forget what it was like to be a student and we forget what it was like to struggle individually on our instrument now some of us are you know um you know god's gift to the world of music like you mm-hmm. and so i'm sure that was the only uh struggle that you ever encountered and and your professor helped you kind of you know figure that out yeah um but you know the vast majority of us especially our musicians who are not necessarily die hard i want to be first chair i want to you know be in a region band they are there maybe for some other reasons other than just getting better on their instruments. They yeah. may be there for different reasons. And so what I think we have to do though is, is make this whole practice environment, especially with all the different things that they've got going on in school. I think we have to help them figure out how they can successfully accomplish those things where they can still do all of the other things that they're trying to do. 
So there's still, you know, it's, it's a lot like homework, really. Um, you have certain things in class that you can do. There are certain things in class you can't do because we're all playing at the same time. Sure. Right. And so what does that look like? So for example, um, do your kids know how to practice? Do they know what an environment of practice should look like? Do they have the things they need um, do they have a stand? Do they have like, are they just chilling out on their bed, sitting there playing, you know, trumpet with their elbows on their knees and just, burp, 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 you know? Yeah. And, and I think it's important, especially with beginners that we teach them. This is the way practice looks. This is how this goes. This is, these are the things that you're looking for. And, and I think when they're early on when, as young, you know, in, in the younger years is where, where they really start to develop what practice time looks like. Now we've all had kids that were just like meh in sixth grade. And then all of a sudden they got to high school and decide, Oh, I'm going to practice now. And then they just get exponentially better really, really quickly. And we just kind of look at them and go, where has this been? Right. Right. Where, where has this been? But I think in many ways, if you, you know, and, and I'll tell you a really easy way to, to check it is have your kids come in, do like a 10 minute lesson with every kid you have. Okay. Um, might need to be after school, but, but figure out how you can hear each individual kid and then ask them, okay, what does your practice time look like? How do you organize it? Where are you practicing? How long? What are the things you're doing? And then how do you measure at the end if you've gotten any better? Yeah. You know? No, that's really good. And, and, and I think, I think too, um, and of course, Back when I, when I was in school, we didn't have the means to just randomly do a video and submit it quickly to our kids. So that's a that's an easy way. Give them an assignment. And go okay. I want to see you practice for ten minutes. What do those things look like? Send me a ten minute video, and and here are the things I want to see. I want to see you warm up, do some daily drill stuff. I want to see you do some lip slurs. I want to want you to play some arpeggios or depending on, you know, the, yeah. the, the level of student. And then I want you to work on range. I want you to work on technique, I, you know, whatever those things are and then send it to me. Yeah. And then when we get it, we go, okay, here's what was really great about what you did. Let's tweak this. Let's try this because really what you're doing is, you're not there with them at home. You have to give them some skills to be able to um, be repetitive correctly to how to, how to do what they're trying to do. Make sure they're using the right path to do that. Like they're not using a bunch of tension or, you know, if, if extra air really is the answer that we're looking for, then we want to see them, you know, or hear them using more air, greater airstream, you know, and checking their face and, and all those different things. If we don't do that, then what we've just done is we've sent them home to do 10 minutes worth of practice incorrectly. Right. And we build really bad habits. Um, and then it's not fun for the kid to practice because they don't get better. They don't see improvement. And in, especially in today's day and time where it's very much like um, instant gratification, right? Right. I should be able to do this. Okay, why should you be able to do this? We well, I've been playing this horn for three years. Okay, but but this is really difficult, challenging stuff, and you're not working on it. 
but I should be able to, okay. And, and, you, and you just get into this thing where it's easier to play a video game. It's easier to go out and, you know, throw a football. It's easier to just, you know, do anything, get online and scroll, uh, watch TikToks. It, it's just easier to do that, you know? Yeah. And so what we're, and I'm kind of rambling. Sorry. What, what we're talking about is walking them through the value of being a disciplined musician who knows how to practice. Yeah. And the value comes in, in a couple of different forms. One of which is it's the pathway to getting better individually. The other part of it is it directly goes to the way our overall ensemble sounds when we are bringing those kids into our ensembles and they know how to practice and they know how to diagnose and identify issues while they're playing. And the younger the kid, the less of that they know. Like that's part of their learning journey. At least it should be. Yeah. So I am. Um I'd like to add some something to Please this, do. and, and this kind of goes along with what we we used to do when we when we worked together with um, with our leadership team and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, because the strategies and the know how are a part of it. Yeah. But when we're talking about like middle school and high school kids, the maturity to have the discipline to do all of those things. Yes. Um, is not always there, and Correct. at times it's years away. Exactly. So. Um, one of the biggest successes that we've had here uh, with kids that know how to practice is the kids that also um, find something fun mm-hmm. in practicing and getting better. Yep. And a couple of the the things that we've done here that um, that have that have been benefited the kids, I think, mm-hmm. uh, and and had the kids have more fun or whatever practicing and getting better and playing harder music is um you know years ago we had the leadership team do help minutes practice yeah, that, minutes, and that was right? your idea and that was a great well, idea and and we don't do this anymore but um you know we had that that power hour time or the bulldog block time that the kids would come in so that's a middle and, of, middle of the day time just yeah. for those of you it's it's kind of designed to be response to intervention for the students that struggle mm-hmm. in other classes but but for us in that situation, the band hall was essentially open in the middle of the day for an hour. Yep, kids could eat, um, not in the band hall, but then they could come in and practice, and they could get help if they needed to. And they the leaders would always in in that particular time yeah. they would come in and they would sit down and practice with somebody else who was not a leader. Right. And, and, and they had to log that amount of time to do it. Right. Um, but it also helped them build relationships with those kids and the Correct. kids looked up to them and, and all of that. In some cases, you know, they would, you know, just sign up to help somebody and that kid that they were helping might even be better than them or something, but sure. they were still having a good time. Right. Um, now, uh, we don't have the requirement to do that, but we have the students that come in and practice because they want to play every day right, right. and then the freshmen or the kids that are in the fourth band or the third band they will come in and they'll hear those kids yep and you know if you're if you're there one day okay you know a freshman might be a little bit too shy to get their horn out and practice with them but you know the consistency of those kids getting their instruments out and then building those relationships of Hey, this is what we do in the middle of the day. We get together and we practice and mm-hmm. I'm struggling with this and hey, I think I'm going to try for all region this year and I'm going to practice right. this music. That um that culture of practice has helped a lot here. Um and then the other thing and and I just I've always tried to play recordings or play my trumpet for the kids and everything, but Cuz you're amazing. Yeah, of mm-hmm. course. Yes. Um but I'm I'm starting to look at it as you know, when I'm in my truck if I'm not listening to a podcast, 
I'm listening to country music because I enjoy it. Of course right? you are. Mm-hmm. That's good music. But Some when I was in high school and middle school <laughs> and college, um, you know, I would ride, I'd ride with my dad or whatever yeah. to high school. And uh, the kind of music that he listened to was, you know, um, Sousa or yeah or um, like band Uwazen or somebody you know and, yeah, yeah, um, yeah and so listening to a lot of that stuff or, or soundtrack music mm-hmm. and so I was really into like hey let's listen to this band piece or this yeah. band piece is really cool so I've tried to in class and before class outside of class try to get the kids more excited about band literature or trumpet literature or French horn literature, clarinet literature. Because they don't know, they're not going to go in search of that typically. Right. And, you know, unless you point it out to them. Um, Not to mention, even if they were to go search for stuff, I mean, some of the, some of those works are ridiculously long, but some of the parts within those works are iconic as far as, you know, this particular section of this, you know, just yep. whatever it is. And so the kid may start listening to it at the beginning because that's what they do. Start at the beginning and they're like, oh, man, this is boring. And they don't yeah. even get to the buildup and, and development of where that music goes. Sorry, I'm going off no, on, a, good. on a tangent there. But but that that's an excellent point where we as the music educators that have like we know what drives us in terms of listening to professional recordings and things like that. Share that stuff with your kids. Yeah. And I'll, and you can be, I mean, you know, better than them. You're more mature. Your musical taste is better than your students. Well, it should okay? be. <laughs> yeah. That's I mean, in a funny way, that's what I tell the kids, you know, that yeah. I'm like, okay, well, listen, if you don't like this piece, then it's just because you're immature. Yes. Yes. That's it. Yes. Um, but, but typically, you know, if they will sit down and listen to it now, a a lot of us have, you know, music in the library that's way too hard to play. Mm -hmm. That's really cool stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, and I will pass that music out with the sole purpose of they can finger along and watch watch the video. Like there's, I mean, president's own has recorded so many things on video. Yeah, They're pretty good. Yeah. They're okay. Yeah. But, um, you know, just being able to watch a group play and, and get excited about band music. And, and what's really interesting too is, you know, professionals, they do a really good job of making things that are extremely difficult. Look look real easy. Very easy. Oh yes. And so it's really easy to, to, to look at your kids and go, okay, you can see how that 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 musician is not struggling at all to play through that. Oh, that didn't just happen overnight, yeah. right? Any of us that have played a wind instrument, we know that does not happen overnight. Right. And there are things that are very challenging to do um, at a very high level. And so, but they need to be exposed to this is what the horn can do. This is what you as a musician can do. Yeah. It's going to take some effort. It's going to take some work. It's going to take some practice. Yep. And and you've got to build yourself as a musician, you know, and, and we can talk a little bit about this in a second, but the, the big thing is I don't think most of the kids have this thought process of I'm building myself individually. It's I'm in this large group of other people. Yeah. And so, you know, really what we need to be worried about, I'm not talking about this in a competitive way necessarily because that can, that can go sideways, but we want them to be the very best musician that they can be at every moment in time possible. And so, you know, even if that means developmentally, they don't have the most mature sound, but they're working on it. 
let's do it. Let's get there. You know, cause yeah. no, none of us, none of us are going to get to that point of proficiency in the exact same amount of time. It just, it just very rarely works that way. So we're, we're talking about individual learning styles, understanding maturity, one person versus a room full of people, um, yeah. different personalities, different levels of maturity, different learning styles. And, and that's the, you know, that's a class period that we have, or when we get into a rehearsal, that's what we're dealing with. So yeah, you have kids that are playing second parts and playing third parts and, Maybe they do okay with that. What if those kids have to play first parts, right? Yeah. Um, and, you know, whole notes and half notes, that's great. Wonderful. But, I mean, that is such a small portion of being proficient on any instrument. Oh, yeah. You know? And so, I think, too, we have to be really careful about when we're programming our concert music or our contest music, um, if the level of group is such that half notes and whole notes is what you need to do, okay, what else are you doing to build the individual player? Or are you just going, yeah, that's half notes and whole notes. Here we go. You know, yeah. I, I'm just, to me, none of that makes any sense whatsoever. Um, you know, we used to tell our kids, look, second and third parts are more important than first. Maybe not not more technically challenging, but that's where we get into, you know, intonation and vertical alignment movement and attacks and releases and depth of ensemble sound, right? Mm -hmm. But I think that a different approach could be those kids playing second and third parts what solo literature are they also playing? What small ensemble stuff are they doing? And it doesn't even necessarily have to be competitive. Are they playing duets with anybody? Are, are they doing something that has melodic content and can walk over, you know, a good range of the instrument? Or are they sitting there and they're playing second and third parts and that's all they're doing over okay. and over and over again. Now, if you're playing, you know, grade five literature, okay, there's going to be some technique and some challenges in that. But if you're not, you're playing lower stuff, um, that's fine. Play what you need to play for your level of student. But understand that those kids are probably not developing individually by playing those second and third parts. Yeah. No, I 100% I agree. And, you know, um, guiding them through a solo and ensemble experience is very good too but um right. opening other opportunities to play like i've got i got this group of kids that really want to go play downtown roy city and they want to play christmas jazz and i'm like well there's, <laughs> there's not a lot of good christmas jazz that just, is well, like just, written out i mean marching stuff, season's you know? over just arrange it for oh, them yeah, you got time oh, absolutely do now um but then you know we had I don't know how many groups ended up playing. Two or three groups played on that Hispanic Heritage it was uh, three. program. There, well, there were two groups and a soloist. Okay, two groups yeah. and a soloist, and it was great. And and they just did that on their own. Yeah, and yeah. and one of the groups the other day, we we took some high school students down to the middle school to play with them. Yeah, and they're playing this this little trumpet trio, I guess. Yeah, and they're yeah. playing this thing, and I'm like, what is that? And they're like, <laughs> oh, that's the thing that we played with. And I was like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah I remember yeah. that. But um, isn't that, isn't that funny how like they always have to go back in time and they want to see music from middle school yes. or what they were doing in middle school so they could just go, oh this is easy yeah yeah oh yeah yeah but um you know just giving the kids um 
an opportunity or a pathway to find what's cool about playing their instrument. Yeah. I mean, this year, more so than any other year, I've had students come up to me, oh, have you seen this video? You know, Mm -hmm. it's a video of a trumpet player or a trombone. Yes. Well, and I think, too, that helps if, like, you kind of nerd out over that stuff, too. Yeah. They know that they can come talk to you about that stuff. That's a way to connect with kids as well. Right. You know? Absolutely. So, 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 yeah, but I I think, too, you know, as you start looking at, I'm going to play this for spring concert, I'm going to play this for UIL, what else are you doing? And, and understand that the students really need something more so than just their band music to work on. They really do. Because just like you, I'm sure you had a a point in your college days where, you know, you got sick and tired of working on the wind literature that you were working on. You wanted to play a solo or you wanted to do some duets or you wanted to just like, you know, play something for the fun of it rather than because somebody was going to be assessing your performance. Yeah. You know, and I think a lot of times we miss that. We get more, we get so far into the we're going to assess your performance that we lose track of this is supposed to be fun. Right. It's supposed to be fun to play an instrument. You and, know, and that's that's the part that I'd been missing um, with with like the even the help minutes and all of that. Yeah. Is yeah. Um, you know technically I know how to lose weight. I know the <laughs> strategies. I'm mature enough to be like. Hey, I understand this. Yes. I can make this happen. You could. But not eating chips and salsa and queso is not fun. Right. No, it's definitely not. And so show me something fun about a diet. And then I'll lose weight. <laughs> I'm just well, waiting. okay. And all in all, in the interest of transparency here, like there's not dying at an early age. That's that's something that is uh, fun yeah. about a diet. Yeah, but that doesn't seem fun. Like like some of your kids, you say like, "Hey, you can sound like this if you practice," and then they go, "Eh." Well, yeah, but but that's okay. Uh, yeah, God, we I think we we've gone off the deep end with, with regard yeah. to that. But but so I think to being able to share your own challenges as an instrumentalist because like if you get up and you play for your kids it's like oh Mr. Webb I'm never going to be as good as him. Well, okay, at some point in time you had to start learning that instrument. Yeah, and you had to progress over a period of time to get to the point where your proficiency is what it is now. And that didn't happen overnight. Right. E- even you, it did not happen overnight. Now, the the thing that I always struggled, that I struggled with as an individual, um, was most of the time everybody else around me was better than I was. Mm-hmm. And what I wanted to do instead of working hard to try to get up to that level initially was just sit there and hide and hope nobody noticed me. Yeah. Like, that's legit. That's what I mean. That was my level of maturity way back when, right? But we know that that's not a thing. But But I think, too there has to be this environment in your rehearsal, in your class, in your group where it's okay for everybody to be at differing levels. If that's the way you're set up, what's not okay is for us to all remain in the same place that we came in at. That's what's not okay. We've all got to get better regardless of where we are when we begin the journey. It has to we got to move forward, you know? Um, something else too, that I think is really important when you start looking at, um, practice time is, you know, are your kids doing any kind of ear training? Um, are they worried about intonation, not only in an ensemble, but also while they are practicing individually, you know, like a kid, 
if they pull their horn out of their case and the tuning slide shoved all the way in and they start to play, that should instantly be a problem. They should go, yes. mm, this does not feel right. What's going on? <laughs> you know, but there are kids where, you know, and I, I go to, I'm in a lot of band halls over the course of the year and, and I love doing that. But a lot of times what I see is it's kids that they have gotten used to playing with slides shoved in and like you start moving them or attempting to move and, and they're, they're just not set up for it the way they need to be. And so those types of things, like what are we, let me get my thoughts together here. We need to, as the adult musician, be able to provide kind of a sequence for practice time individually. Here's what, we're going to want you to do based on whatever level they're at. And, you know, the, those things need to be based on what they can already do, what we think they're going to be able to do. Um, and then also whatever scholastic music, whatever, you know, solos, ensembles or band music, are we giving them things to prepare a skill set for, those executing those types of technical spots or lyrical or, you know, whatever it is. My, my favorite is everybody thinks with immature bands that you have to play a slow piece of music no. and, and no, they, you don't have to do that. Don't do that. Don't, that's a bad idea. Now, if you want to work on um, things that are slower in rehearsal, absolutely. If you want to give your kids slow, pretty things to work on in practice time, totally. But there are some things that they take some time to develop. That's not just going to happen overnight. And, and you're not going to make it happen in your rehearsal time. It, it won't. I right. mean, you know, and I, I hear groups all the time, junior high and high school, where first tune's okay, third tune's okay, second tune is just not even in the ballpark. Mm -hmm. And so, unfortunately, there's no getting away from that. You know, you're evaluating the whole performance. So just just some things to think about. But like for ear training, what type of stuff do you guys do now? I know, I know what we used to do. We used to like do drones and we'd use a harmony director and we'd match pitch and we go, okay, kids, you're going to play your note. Then next person's going to play. We're going to go right down the line. We've got eight trumpets and we should not hear eight different versions of concert B flat, you know? Yeah. We tip, we typically don't do that because it would upset me. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I, I did talk to my students today about it with a specific section I said, you know, um, when I was in high school, I don't remember anybody playing with tuners and mics. Like, right. They didn't have the mic on the thing, right? Right. I had a tuner on my stand every now and then, and, like, I even had directors go, hey, like, like, at, like at band camp, hey, do you always practice with the tuners? Mm -hmm. And I was like, yeah, yeah I try to, you know. Um, but, you know, when we heard something that was out of tune, mm -hmm. you know, we were – Okay, am I sharp? Am I flat? Well, let me loosen up. Oh, well, that wasn't it. And then, you know, yes. firm back up and do all of that stuff and just trust your ear and then have to kind of experiment until you get better at doing it. But I yes. said, I said, y'all have to do the same thing. Like we're holding this note, you know, that they had fracked and <laughs> we're holding this note and it's super out of tune and you know, it sounds bad right. and you're doing stuff, but you've got a cheat right there in front of your face right. that is telling you if you're going one way or the other. Right. Right. And, but, but, and that's, and that's the thing though, too, is there, there is a certain playing in tune has a feel to it. Yes. More, more so than, Hey, let's look at the tuner. And I think tuners are great. I, we used them with our kids. I think they're great. They're, 
they need to be used in an effort to get to a point where students can hear that they are in fact matching the people around them, you know? Um, And so, yes, we want to be in the center of the pitch totally, but on a hot stage, if somebody goes this way, well, we don't want somebody next to them to go, no, we're going to go the other way. And now we're 20 cents apart, right? you know, because that, that is going to be an issue. And so, you know, I, I really think that the students understanding that, when they play in a section and they're listening side to side, they really need to be able to understand how their tone quality, the volume that they're playing, the pitch that they're, they're playing is fitting in with everything else around them. Um, and, and of course that changes from moment to moment, yeah. you know? Um, and I mean, once you've done it a long, uh, long enough time, either with direction or with a tuner, yeah. um, eventually you're like, Wow, I you know, in theory I, I play in tune like most days. Uh-huh. I don't need that the tuner there to exactly. tell me that. That's and that's an excellent point too. Because you know, you don't want to get to a point where the student must rely on the tuner. Now I know the cool thing about tuners now too is you start talking about just intonation and doing, you know, chord adjustments. The kids can see really accurately what direction they're bending pitch and, and those types of things. And that's fine. That's all well and good, you know. But if you take the tuner away, do they know what they're listening for? Right. You know, that's a big part of it is learning how to listen, not just learning how to play, but learning how to listen to what you're playing. That also goes to discernment about, am I having a successful practice today? You know, mm-hmm. I used to record myself um, and, and I hated it, you know, when I, when I would do that. It was it was awful. It was like one of those little uh, voice recorders, you know, because mm-hmm. we didn't have, we didn't have smartphones back then. <laughs> so you know, I would record myself. I'd record lessons, and I mean, it was terrible. I hated listening to those tapes, yeah. and um, and honestly, I'm not sure if I actually got any better by listening to them. I certainly got more humble. Um, not that I needed, <laughs> I didn't yeah. need a ton of assistance with that, but 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 I guess my point is, is you know, nowadays with the technology that we have kids can use apps like tonal energy or, yeah. you know, different things that are not only tracking pitch, but they're also tracking, you know, quality of sound dips in sound, um, any shakes, even, you know, lack of clarity. We, we can see that. And so those are things that they can work on and work towards to, you know, be better. I mean, yeah. my thing was every time I played a concert C, uh, below the staff because of my, um, or excuse me, in the staff, because of my amateur, it was fuzz every time I played. Yeah. Just fuzz. And, you know, there were some other notes, that, and D was the same way. There were some other notes that were clearer, but in that part of, of the horn, it just wasn't going to happen. It was, you know, and yeah. I fought that and fought that and fought that. Of course, knowing what I know now versus what I know I knew then, Obviously, you know, today I'd be able to correct that much, much faster than back then. Um, but but you have to remember that you're dealing with student musicians and these occurrences, these things that occur to us as directors is not going to occur to these kids. No, no, it's not. It's not. And so so that, that leads me to kind of my next thing is how do we, as directors, how do we really check if practice is actually occurring? How do we do that? I think you got to listen to them individually okay and they've got to show improvement i mean you gotta you you've got to listen to them individually more than once right because you know? there, there has to be a comparison right, right over a period of time yeah and so you know i 
you know, my dad was a band director growing up, and he would listen to me um, when I'd call him into my room to act, to to say like, hey, you know, all regions this week, you listen to me play, yeah, and and give me comments and stuff. But it wasn't anything as far as notes and rhythms. And you've got a lot of kids in in the band that are good on notes and rhythms, mm-hmm. but like, who is giving them like musical advice? Exactly. I um, I want to say it was my first lesson ever with somebody other than my dad did you get thrown out of the studio no you probably did this was i was in high school (laughs) and i took a private lesson with um one of our our family friends who's also a he was a a horn professor at henderson state when Mm -hmm. i was there and uh we were just like hey you know i should take private lessons you know and and so me and a couple of my buddies took from the horn professor Mm -hmm. and i remember i had all five or i think it's five pages long of the hummel first movement memorized and uh you know i was of course you did i had all of that stuff ready to go and everything i was thinking all right well i'm gonna you know impress this guy and i played like or whatever right and uh he's like all right stop and we spent <laughs> we spent the entire hour talking about how my top F mm-hmm. was not in tune with my bottom F, uh-huh. mm-hmm. and that everybody was going to be able to hear it. Yes. Everybody, everybody, and so even people that are not not uh, educated. Yeah, and I mean, hear. you know, I I'm not my memory's not good enough to know like exactly how far out of tune I was on everything. That's but, for sure. But I um, <laughs> I remember that lesson, and every time I play like an F. And another F, I'm, you know, adjusting as to thinking like, now am I overcorrecting here or, you know, F is a sharp note and, you know, what am I doing as far as my first valve slide and all of that. Mm. And it all stemmed from one lesson of making a really big deal about stuff that I'd never thought about. Right. Exactly. So. And so, but, but that's, again, that that's where we have to take the opportunities or create opportunities to give a critique to our students because if we don't, then they're just going to rock along until something like that happens. Yeah. Right. And, and what happens when that doesn't happen, you know, and, and, and granted playing a musical instrument is not the easiest thing in the world to do. And there's so many different um, aspects and facets to each wind instrument that's out there. And we're not even going to talk about percussion because that's a whole nother, you know, 12 podcasts. Um, But, but I think, you know, you have to listen to your kids individually. And if you don't have time to do that during class, okay, have them send you a recording. And it doesn't even have to be 10 minutes. It could be two minutes. Just check in and, and hear what they're doing. It could be, you know, that like one comment that you make kind of opens up a whole different world to what they're doing. And if yeah. you don't have private lessons, that's okay. You can still, as part of your ensemble work, listen to each kid. Um, you know, it's like, okay, Hey, trumpets, we're going to play each individual is going to play this phrase right here. You're going to put four beats in between. Here's the mat you play. And we hear, I know it's going to make you mad, Jason, but, 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 you know, or, or trombones or whoever it is, you know, and what you, you end up hearing is where the student really is with a part number one, but number two, you get to, you get an automatic comparison and maturity of tone quality within the section and you can see who's really getting it done or who's close to getting it done and who's not even on the same planet. And, and uh, any range can impact that as well. There are some kids that are really comfortable in the mid range of the instrument. You start going up top or down low and the sound just turns to mush, you know? So, uh, you know, I think 
you know, I think you need to have conversations, especially as the kids are first starting about here's what that practice environment looks like. Here's what you're going for. Um, you know, you could even allow them, help them set up goals for themselves. What am I trying to do? Well, I'm trying to play the B flat major scale, but I want to play it in this rhythmic pattern at this particular tempo, or I want to do this many octaves, or I've got the first octave. Let's go ahead and start working on the second one. So we're still working. We're taking these fundamental building blocks of playing an instrument and we're stacking them on top of each other as the students practice over the course of the time they're with us in um, ensemble. Yep. And I, just to touch again on finding something that the kids can have fun with and mm -hmm. get into and get invested in, a lot of the time it's just one it's just one piece of music. Yep. One solo, one audition, or one upperclassman that like helps them out. And you know, in all honesty, right now we I mean we got like two hundred kids in the band. I, I haven't listened to every kid individually mm -hmm. by themselves. But well, I guess you better get to work. Yeah, yeah I know. <laughs> um, the kids that I have listened to individually that I've helped out that are some of my top players, um, have listened to a lot of those kids. Right. And have helped those kids, okay, um, so, because they take ownership in it. And that's and that's another valuable point. Thank you for bringing that back up. The students that play those instruments, sometimes what resonates with us as adults does not resonate with kids right. in terms of the way it's explained. Um, you know, and and I know you have to be really careful about that because you know the way kids explain stuff, it's like, well, you just you know, tighten your face up and just let it rip. And well, okay. So that might get the note to pop out and maybe that's a little bit helpful, but, but really and truly what we're, what we're talking about is when these kids are going down to help, they need to be equipped to tell, you know, student A or B, this is what I do to make this work for me, whether it's trigger technique or slide technique or, you know, um, you know, hey, by the way, your your fingers are way too far off the instrument, clarinet player. We need to get lower, you know, be more robotic. Let's take the slurs off. That Just that type of stuff um, coming from a student who is like already much, much stronger on the instrument. That is a source of brilliant information as far as that kid is concerned. Yeah. Uh, and we're just old and dumb. We don't know Jack. But man, the senior senior trombone player who's everybody's like, man, that guy's a stud. And he's taking the time to show me what he does and how he works through things or how she works through things. And that just it can really become more valuable than the things we're saying. Yep. Um, it's it's a lot like that whole um, you know, kids don't realize their parents are smart until they're in their like mid twenties, you know? Um, because we're old and we don't have any idea what they're actually dealing with, which is not true. We do know what they're dealing with and we know how it turns out. Uh, the problem is the students have to be convinced that this is a path to take. And a lot of times what, what happens is other students are the ones that can get that message across um, even better than we can, believe yeah. it or not. No, absolutely. So, and I mean, you know, the, the top players, they also need somebody to, to look up to and to to be able to push them as well. I mean, that's absolutely yeah. you know not to be humble again, but right. You know, I was always first chair, uh -huh. and so 
when I got to college or when I was in high school, I had my dad to look up to on a daily basis. Like yeah. I could hear him practicing. Like he's taller when than I you? Got to, no. Oh, no. that's not what you meant. Okay. No. And then when I got to college, you know, obviously my trumpet instructors were always better than me. So I was always looking up to them. Yeah. But, um, you know, I don't, I don't play the trombone near as well as our top trombone player. Right. So who's he right. looking at, you know? And exactly, exactly. And that's, and, and I think that's, uh, that's very, very important that we, we are able to offer examples of, Hey, this is, this is real deal. This is legit. This is what we're, we're looking for. And if that's not us, okay, that's fine. There's no, there's no shame in that. You know, I mean, there's just not yeah. the, the, the problem comes in where we don't offer those things and we just expect the kids to get better. And, and I'm also going to say this too, you as a director need to have some level of comprehension and understanding of what fundamental tone quality sounds like on each instrument. And if you don't know that, then you're going to allow your students to get away with things that they don't need to get away with. Um, and you know, a lot of that has to do with air, it has to do with, uh, amateur setup, hand position, the way that they're moving air through the instrument, all of those things are critical to sound production. Yeah. And so, but if, if, you know, like for example, I didn't find out I was playing really fuzzy until I was a junior in high school. That wasn't until I was a junior in high school when somebody said, Hey, by the way, you're really fuzzy. You need to stop puffing your cheeks out like that. <laughs> okay. Thanks. You know, but, but I yeah. mean, where we allow those things to be, um, less than they need to be. And, and that's not to say that it doesn't take time to correct some of those issues if they're there, but we need to be consistently giving feedback to that student. Okay. Yes. Right notes, right rhythms, sound quality is a problem here. We got to open up. We got to, whatever, whatever the, the issue is, yeah. um, and whatever the exercises we need to do, we have to be able to articulate that, communicate that, and and us as the teacher educator be able to discern. I like that sound. I don't like that sound, and then be able to verbalize why you don't like it and how to correct it. Yeah. Right? Why, why are you laughing at me? I was just I was just thinking about an experience I had. I just when I was a junior in high school, we had one we had one bassoon player. And I mean, there's no way he listens to this podcast, but anyways, we had one, well, don't just player. don't say his name. I'm not going to say his name, but, um, you know, he was a year younger and he was a percussionist, but we needed a bassoon player and he switched to bassoon. He was a good musician. Seems like but, a logical um, switch. Yeah. I mean, he kind of play it. He could play the right <laughs> notes and stuff. Oh, okay. But I remember making, um, making all state and the bassoonist in, in the all state band was like warming up and, you know, practicing or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I was like, the heck is that sound <laughs> i didn't know what a good bassoon sounded like and, <laughs> and there it was yes there it was yep. all right what else on this man i think yeah. you know first of all i think that um there's not an overnight fix so if you're not doing these things yet start start understand that um the building of the individual's the way that we approach that and the importance we place on that, it translates directly to how our ensemble can or does sound. Um, and you know, there, there's not really, there has to be the individual practice piece. You're not going to develop, um, proficient instrumentalists in an ensemble setting. You're, they're not going to get there. Um, you know, they, they can do some things, but there has to be a focus individually on what they're doing 
And you as a director need to place emphasis on the importance of their individual performance. Yeah. And giving them third parts all the time, that's not it. They, they need a challenge. And e- even if the range or register is an issue for them, give them something that is within what they're comfortable with. Let them feel some success because that will drive them to want to do more um, and and continue to, to get better. I mean, there's nothing worse. Than like, I mean, we, we both play golf. There's nothing worse than, you know, really doing well with, you know, driving the ball and then you get on the green and you three putt no matter what you do. So, but what do you not want to go work on? Well, I don't really want to go spend hours on the putting green, but that's what I need to do. Yeah. Like that's what I, that's what I need to dial in. And, and it's, it's those types of things where the right answer is right in front of us. It's, are we going to go step off into uh, the path that takes us to where we want to be? And the, and then the other part of it is a lot of times we don't because we know it's going to be a long journey to get from point A to point B. Yep. And we're like, mm, I don't want to do that. Yeah. Third trumpets. I, I would, I, I just, from my own experience, if I'm playing third trumpet, I don't want to go practice so that the third trumpet part of this piece sounds better. Right. I got to have a better reason. Exactly. So give them a reason, you know? Give Ag- absolutely. And, and I think too, a lot of times, you know, you could even do, um, solo work within your ensemble where it's like, okay, guys, today we're going to do a studio day where we're going to have multiple students get up and play for the whole group on whatever your individual solos are. These yeah. don't have to be like legit class one solos. You can start very, very easy with this stuff and just make it so that playing individually well is a, it, it is a cool environment. It is, it is an expectation of being in the ensemble. Everybody has to do it everybody knows they're going to get the opportunity to stand up and perform. I mean, it's legit in the teaks to do that. So now give them a, you know, we're getting into a a time of the year where um, you have perfect, perfect opportunity to get the kids to play in like small ensembles um, with uh, little Christmas tunes. Like, I don't know what color the books are now, but green or blue or whatever, the little Christmas Carol books. Um, but you could put together, you know, two or three small ensembles where the kids are playing one on a part or two on a part um, and can go perform for, you know, the cafeteria at school. They can go perform for the nursing home sure. and doing all of that kind of stuff. That's just, again, getting them like, hey, like, this is cool. Like, people like me playing my instrument. Right. Totally. And so. and that's I think that's, again, um, we're not working towards competitive success. Like that's part of it, but really what we're working for is let's, let's help our individuals get to the level of proficiency that they can. Um, let's really, you know, talk about that. Let's work on those things. Let's give them opportunities to develop individually. And, and then, you know, once you start down that path, that's a path you won't go back. You won't, Oh yeah. you won't go, no, this didn't help. You're not going to do, that's not how that's going to go. You're going to be like, why have I not been? looking yeah. at this this way from this whole entire time. And of course we all, we've all, you know, done that and said, well, I tried it this way and here's the outcome. And well, I know that's not the right answer. I'm just telling you doing stuff simply in the ensemble is not the answer. I've, I've tried it. It doesn't work. Yeah. It does not work. You have to keep those things in mind. What else, Jason on this? That's it. Pretty much it. As long as everybody understands that you're always first chair trumpet, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then I'm not going to use any good dieting strategies over, over Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving break. <laughs> That's right. So we're, we have, we have a, a, several more podcast topics that we're going to cover in the coming weeks. Um, 
we, you know, marching season really uh, was a challenge in terms of time. And so we do apologize for um, continuing to have to apologize for not recording in, in a better time frame. But we're, we're going to try and be a lot better about that in the time that we have as we go into the new year. But um, if we don't have another episode drop before Thanksgiving, which we might not, it just depends, and maybe the week after. We hope everybody has, um, you know, very safe and happy, healthy holiday. Um, also, keep in mind when your students, and I, I posted this yesterday, when your students leave you for the Thanksgiving break, tell them that you love them, encourage them to make wise decisions, and let them know just how excited you're going to be when they come back to you the following week. Um, because that you're going to be on your break for a week. They're going to be on their break for a week. And, you know, just understand if you, if you want them to play, you might want to give them some specific instructions about that. Uh, you might want to make sure you remind them about their horns needing to go home. Um, and you also might need to remind them that you're going to be checking again individually when you're so excited to see them when they come back to make sure that we haven't lost any progress because I'm sure we have holiday and winter concerts coming up. So, yep. Cool. All right. Well, thanks everybody. Have a wonderful Thanksgiving and we will see you next time.